Hello, beautiful people. We are back. I'm Haley. I'm your guide to love. Welcome. I'm a relationship coach. So this podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. I have Vince Bellito here. I'm so excited to talk with you. He folk, he's a life, business, and recovery coach specializing on trauma integration and communication. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Haley. Glad to be here. Yeah, because I really like what you are, like what you're focused on, you know, and so we, we actually met at a dinner party and I really feel like people need to hear what you're talking about. So go into more of what you're doing. More of what I'm doing. So yeah, I do, uh, I do a lot of different work. I work with individuals. I work with small groups and uh, semi-large groups and, and uh, right now I'm just working online and uh, remotely, especially now during the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, my greatest passion is working with live audiences and organizing human beings in a certain way that facilitates uh, deep healing, uh, integration of traumatic experiences, losses, painful events, circumstances, um, self-limiting beliefs are another thing that show up inside of that space and uh, helping people to really identify what they are, where they came from, and how to transform that. Um, and then, you know, working with people in communications, it's really what I like to specialize in is helping people understand how to communicate, how to language, uh, what's really going on on the inside and how to use language to just utterly transform their perspective so that they can live into a new future. Wow. And yeah. You know, I really like that too, because when we met, you talked about how you were helping people get high naturally, which I love that because we're taught to seek things external, externally to help us feel better internally. Yes. Uh, and yeah, the reason is, I mean, you know, drugs is a big part of my background and uh, I learned some hard lessons. I was living as a, a, a criminal and a drug dealer up until 1999 when I nearly died from an overdose. And that was the turning point for me when I realized I needed to find another way to live my life or else I wasn't going to be living very long. And um, you know, I started seeking ways to escape that lifestyle and uh, just basically isolated myself and started uh, practicing meditation. I went to the library searching for answers, alternative ways of thinking and other possibilities for my life because I really didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, that was just what I did. I made lots of money doing that, but I was ruining myself and the lives of others. And uh, as I started to meditate, I came into contact with deep-seated emotions and memories of pain and trauma that I grew up with, particularly abuse from from my stepfather to my mother and even to me at times. But uh, it was more of what I witnessed happening to my mother that was the most impactful and where I made some of the most painful decisions against myself. Um, and, uh, I started to recognize this and feel this stuff and go through it. And, uh, it was very uncomfortable, very awkward. Plus I was dealing with the guilt and the shame around realizing, you know, man, uh, I almost died from an overdose and I was, you know, pushing drugs out on the streets, setting up other drug dealers, you know what I mean? Really organizing people to just distribute in mass. And this is, this is the impact on me, what happened to them. And I started to really feel guilty. And dealing with all that stuff inside and the mental and emotional breakdown uh, on top of the fact that I was now no longer using drugs and alcohol. So uh, my brain was struggling to cope with, you know, the, just the impact and the damage. 
um, it was hard. It was really hard. And, uh, but I was felt fortunate that I discovered some cool spaces within myself after hitting the bottom emotionally. And I got support from a lot of different people, places and things. And, uh, and little by little, I began to rebuild my life. And, uh, you know, I never stopped getting high. I tell people that I, you know, when I work at recovery centers, I just found new ways to get high, you know, mm. from exercise and diet to breathing. Um, and to just relating with human beings in a certain way that facilitated really good feelings. Um, and so I became very interested in how to do that more and more. And people started showing up in my life to, you know, get help. It was just, they would just pop up and they were asking me just, it was like very intuitive for them to just like, they could pour out their soul to me, tell me what they were going through. So I started working with people very early on after, you know, my transition and uh, not as a paid career or anything like that, but just, on the side. And then I started hosting groups and I started leading groups and, you know, just people wanted to get together. So I started developing more and more of an interest on how I could help people experience aliveness and freedom and deal with the real issues because I had to confront my real issues. And I saw what a facade I had created. Now my life was kind of extreme, but I could also see the facades that the average ordinary quote unquote normal person mm -hmm. was putting up as well. So, you know, then I started getting interested in how to get in touch with those people and how to help them see past that and transform that. So there's a whole lot there, but uh, yeah, I mean, mm, wow. No, no, listen, I love all that. And I love how you, you said, I never stopped getting high. I just, channeled into a healthier way right yep because for me yeah. like i went through a period where i thought man like having sex high is great i don't want to do it sober <laughs> you know and you kind of get addicted to like a certain level of high but then once you it's like it's really reframing it in a healthier way totally uh i think especially think on the topic of sex mm -hmm. you know um you know, I mean, believe me, I, I had my fair share of getting high and having sex. And uh, it's certainly, there were certainly some, uh, some pleasurable benefits. But what I've experienced sober, which to be honest, is more challenging to create. Um, because to have the great effect and impact, you know, the positive impact of sexuality that, that is possible for human beings sober it requires a level of intimacy, vulnerability, mm -hmm. and connectivity that very few of us are comfortable traversing. Um, we really got to get connected in a certain way. And there's practices, there's breathing, there's eye contact, there's touch, um, there's movement, there's uh, intentionality underneath all of that, to be real. I mean, you just have to have that intention to want to really open yourself, connect with your partner, um, and share powerfully and vulnerably your being right and be willing to witness theirs um for it to be magical and uh but once you do that um there's nothing drugs can give you there because you don't have the letdown and that 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 the emptiness you feel afterwards i mean drugs just is such a poison to the system so mm. it's always a loss in the end no yeah listen i'm really glad that you said that though because i think that's what and that's what i've noticed more and more with our society that we're lacking is what you just said, right? It's like, it's like that's really what people crave is the deep intimacy, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, having that type of relationship. But it's like our society, we are so disconnected from that. Yeah. I was literally sharing with my girlfriend yesterday. I was like, you know, uh, we haven't been intimate physically for a little bit because we both were sick. Um, we both got sick. And during this coronavirus mm -hmm. thing, it's even more like, oh my God, you know, like, and, um, you know, so we've just been kind of taking it easy and we've both been tired. Our bodies just resting. Right. And, you know, and I started feeling like a little, like, 
you know, hey, I'd like to like get back in touch with that, you know what I mean? But it's not really truly feeling ready physically. And um, we had a little conversation around it. And like, you know, she just was like, um, she, just, she wasn't feeling ready physically either. And it's like, you know, I got a little, I get a little frustrated, you know, because I want that, you know what I mean? So, but I was like, you know what? I, I realized I'm like, you know what? That's not what I want. Actually, what, I'm, what I really want is like, I want to, can we just pray together? And, and can we just connect with each other, like, and share intimately, like through, through prayer and that, that spiritual connection. I'm like, that's what I, what I really just want is to be connected with you in an inner, inner way. And we just haven't, we haven't been doing that for a few days. And, and, um, and she was like, thank you for sharing that. You know, like she really got what I, what was important. And I got what was important. It wasn't so much even the physical contact. What I was really craving was that deep intimacy that we can experience through prayer where we're both submitted to you know, something greater than ourselves and we get vulnerable and open and, and we share and like that, just that experience is really electrifying. And so I got that that was what was more fundamental for me. And I'd be satisfied if we were just doing that right now until our bodies are recouped, you know, and able to freaking take on some more physical activity. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that you just said that though, because you had an awareness of, no, that's not really what I want. Really what I want is and I've noticed that recently with me where I look back on a lot of the several sexual experiences that I had and I would have sex with someone and then afterwards be like, mm, no, really what I wanted was this. We're talking yeah. next to each other, having a deep conversation. Exactly. But I think so many times we're taught that we have to get, we have to have sex to do that. Yeah. Or it just feels natural as a instinctual, even it's almost like just in the human nature, right? Like we have mm -hmm. a natural drive to be sexual because mm -hmm. we procreate. I mean, it's part of what life is up to. It's like to try and deny that is ridiculous. It's a mm -hmm. very natural, inspired, God given thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that uh, the, the, I think the climax of it is not orgasm. It's, it's profound intimacy with the divine nature in ourselves and within another human being. But it's not like we go to sex education and they teach us that. We learn about safe sex and we learn how to do it, you know, in a safe way, so to speak. But they don't talk about the bonding, the intimacy. Uh, forget about the neurochemistry and the biochemistry, right? That's not even part of the conversation really um, inside of that connecting with the spiritual potential. Uh, a lot of that's just like lost. And so it just becomes like this thing that we have to figure out on our own. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there's a lot of feel good feeling in it and pleasure, but there also comes a lot of pain for a lot of people too. There's a lot of shame around sex and there's a lot of confusion and like weird energetic principles and dynamics that we're not educated around. Right? And how do we manage that and preparing to be with someone sexually? Like, how do you do that? You know, like it's just, it's not even, it's not even in the conversation for most mm -hmm. people. So it's totally wow. out of our awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you just said, I'm like, whoa. Well, I think too, it's like, it's like rushing to have sex with someone too soon, right? That's happened to me several times and, it, and then it makes it weird because it's like, mm. but then it's also the, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Yeah, rushing to have sex soon because that, you know, that is an exciting, there's a pull, right? There's a, there's a, there's a neurological, physiological, chemical, you know, thing that's taking place inside of us. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, the consequences of interacting, you know, and following through with that without developing the other levels of connectivity is usually let down disappointment 
shame maybe or weirdness. I mean, it depends on what people are dealing with. But, you know, when I started this relationship with Elena, who, you know, I love and adore, you know, I wanted to build a relationship with her on communication and on, uh, you know, higher levels of our potential and our vision and our dream together. Uh, and so I started with those conversations and like just laid it down. I also wanted to be more transparent and vulnerable and real than I've ever been in a relationship before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted that back and I was a high demand for that. And so any little, any little bit of not that showing up, I was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to tolerate it. And you know, this is where I'm standing and either you're going to stand with me and we're going to, we're going to go here together or we ain't going at all. Right. And it's like, and fortunately, you know, she wanted that with me and we both took steps to get closer more real, more raw, more vulnerable, um, and open ourselves up. And, you know, and it's not easy, man. It's so not easy, especially Mm. when we spend most of our lives pretending our way through life and, and not even knowing that we're pretending. And so, you know, we end up in weird relationships as a result of that. Okay. Yeah. Cause let's go into that. I think that most people, Okay, so we crave what you are experiencing, right? So how do we create that, right? Because, you know, I always hear people say, they're like, oh, you just create your list and then you focus on, you know, manifesting this person. What are your thoughts? Mm. I learned from my mentor's uh, wife, and she's also my mentor too in relationships. She's a relationship coach. Her name is Annie Lala. Mm-hmm. But she talked about like people making these lists. It's like they list lists of what they want. But really she said what's most important is to make a list of what you value really understand Mm. what your core values are because at the end of the day it's your values that are going to keep you together or tear you apart if they're in conflict you know so really and a lot of a lot of us don't even know what it is we truly deeply value like we have superficial what we call values which are really Mm -hmm. just wants you know we want them to look good have big boobs or nice ass or you know um be fun and playful and these very like generic general things that just do not really align with our own core, right? We think they do. We think that's what's going to make us happy, but you know, we're just really confused about what's going to make us happy. So honestly, is there, there's no hope for somebody in themselves. I'll be honest with you. I hate to say that. (laughs) I'm a very hopeful, optimistic person, but there's just no hope if you have no education around how to build a relationship in a healthy manner right? Just trying to do it by just whipping up a list in your own thinking. No, because most of us are trained to think and to feel and to consider reality and life a certain way that actually doesn't work for most people, which is why the divorce rate is so high. So we have to be willing to enter an entirely new paradigm of thinking and emoting and understanding. Mm -hmm. And we need to get help for that. Okay. So go into that because I I agree with you. I agree that the I'm always thinking like, why is the divorce rate so bad? You know, I also think sometimes people are thinking that they are supposed to get all of their needs met from one person. That's a part of it. It's definitely part of it. You can't get all your needs met from one person, but the other part of it is that um, people lack the skill on how to manage conflict and the various troubles that show up inside of an intimate relationship, which are natural, normal, and even part of the intent, right? As we get intimate with another human being, everything that's inauthentic, everything that's wounded in us, all of that stuff is going to be interacted with and contacted. And we, we, we attract people who are a perfect match for our wounding and our whatever we're resisting. 
and the why, because you know, life, life force itself is powerfully um, above and beyond resistance in and of itself. But in the human nature, resistance shows up. And that resistance is, you know, all these self-negations, these judgments, these assessments, these evaluations, how we look at life, how we learn to look at people. I mean, we literally think that the way we speak and the way we listen is mm -hmm. effective and the way it's supposed to be. But I've had a lot of training. In fact, I was leading a group of mine last night uh, on teaching the principles of core communication. And it's, the fact is people are all, every single one of these people, and I have a lot of coaches, I have like eight coaches in that group too, all blown away and are like, holy crap, this is why, this is what I've been missing. You know, these fundamentals and a big part of it revolves around nonviolent communication created by Marshall Rosenberg. And, you know, couples don't come together and have this training. They come together, they, they have this beautiful dream and they have this beautiful hope. They interact with each other mm -hmm. and then shit starts to hit the fan, right? They trigger each other, right? Mm -hmm. Or they act in certain ways and that there's pain. And they don't know how to handle that because number one, they don't know what they fundamentally are feeling, really, right? They're busy focusing on their partner. They confuse feelings with their interpretations of what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. like, like, I don't feel you should be going out and doing, you know, whatever you just did, right? Like, that's not a feeling, but that's how we language stuff, mm -hmm. right? And it's irresponsible. It doesn't speak about my own experience. It's like, I don't feel that you should be doing this. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, that's not saying the same as saying, I feel disappointed or I feel scared, right? That speaks more to the feeling. Now, underneath the feelings that a person's having in that moment when they're upset with their partner, there are particular needs that are not being met. And so we lack a language for our feelings first, which gives us access to the needs, which we also need a language for next. And we often confuse what our needs are um, with like certain things, like certain wants, but there are universal needs that everyone needs, like love, connection, empathy, um, stability, predictability. Uh, there are certain things like that. But because we lack a language for articulating this stuff, we tend to just kind of go into like a demand type nature uh, and just start fighting with people to try and control and force outcomes. And it's simply because we're just uneducated. We weren't trained properly on how to have healthy relations and to communicate from our core. So wow. we end up communicating very superficially and then argumentatively. If we know what our needs are, now we can make requests that are specific and doable. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, and then, you know, but these are conversations we should be having and I say should, that's like one of those things not to be doing in communication. <laughs> but what I mean more specifically is ideally, before we get into relationship, we understand this. And as we come into relationship, we start our relationship with this form of communication. Like, like I have certain needs, you have certain needs. I want to understand what your needs are. And let's, let's, let's work together to get those needs met as a couple. It's everyone's responsibility to get their needs met. But when you come into a relationship, you come together to multiply the power and effectiveness in your ability to get your needs met, mm -hmm. to thrive at a higher level. It doesn't stop there though. Another factor of couples breaking down is that they don't move into the next level, which is belonging to a group. We need other relationships, mm -hmm. right? There, there are higher levels we must go at. And so couples break down because they think, like you said, they're going to get all their needs met inside of the relationship. Um, no, it doesn't work that way. You need a community to build a relationship successfully. Wow. I still agree with you on that. And I think that I've realized that more and more, the older I've gotten is that it's so important to have a sense of community or whether it's church group, spiritual group, 
personal development, whatever kind of group it is, but to have that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, there's excuses. Like I don't have time or really sometimes deep down, there's just like fear of dealing with other people and you know, there's just, but now more than ever, we have the ability to access the right type of people that we really need in our lives. And we need that diversity. And, and you know, it's not my girlfriend's job to fulfill my every social need. Right. Like, and it's not my job to fulfill hers. Um, And also, you know, it's not her job to grow me completely. I'm going to grow and develop inside of my relationship with others. And I need reflections and feedback from other human, other men, particularly, especially Mm -hmm. um, to help me in my relationship with women. Cause I don't know how to be a man. I'm 42 years old and I'm just still figuring it out. I'm still trying to figure out what is it to be a man? Like, what is a good man like? And how does he operate? And I don't know. I don't know if I ever will know. I I might die and still never know what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's something so many people, I mean, hello, I'm still figuring out. I think it's a lifelong journey of figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, arrogant about it. But uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think after a while, you know, life starts to slap you around a bit. You realize, I don't know everything there is to know. And, uh, and it's from that place that we can start to truly learn and we need help. And we, we do you know, uh, men do, women do. And I don't think a man or a woman, you know, if you're complaining and you're arguing a lot with your partner, you need outside help. And, you know, a lot of what I do is relationship communication work, right? I help create new perspectives and I also help them speak responsibly or just get in touch with what's actually there. Cause that's honestly just people are struggling because they don't know what's really going on inside or how to manage that or deal with that. And they think the problem is their partner because their partner is the trigger source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, externally. But, but the real issue is something internal is going on. And if you were clear, if you were complete and integrated internally with whatever it is that's being affected, your partner could say or do whatever and you'd pretty much be smooth with all that. Mm. And and even if you had a problem with something, you would just address it from a more empowered way. And if you can't, you're not, you're trying to control and force this because you probably don't believe that you can. You don't know how you failed in the past. There's some other wounding that's showing up and all this stuff lives in our unconscious mind. And so unless you have support and get access like a mirror, like someone like myself, who's like really big on the subconscious territory to help you identify the thoughts and the emotions and feelings and sensations that are truly in the background, right? That's where the work is at. But most of us are trying to argue with our partner, change our partner, fix our partner. And uh, it's a losing battle because you got to change yourself. But most people don't know how to do this. And we're never really meant to do this on our own. Like we need support in doing that. We just don't have the wherewithal to do it alone. Yeah, definitely. Or what about the people that are aware of their, they need to change themselves? But maybe well, they that's, can. A, that's an important step to reach, but just because mm-hmm. you know something's not working and you're admitting it doesn't mean you have the tools and the, the, the necessary things to make the changes, like the people in the right support, right? So, at least, But at least, I mean, if you're not aware at all, I mean, and you're just, then you're spinning your wheels and you're clueless. You're just mm-hmm. in the realm of, I don't know that I don't even know that I got a problem. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, you can't really help that person until that person starts to get aware that, okay, there's something I don't know that's impacting my life here and I need to get at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I was going to say too, it's like, um, I've noticed the one thing that I've noticed with the woman that I'm working with is like, they, I say, they'll tell me something and I'll say, oh, okay, well, did you tell your partner that? I noticed that there's a lot of things that bother women in relationships, but they don't speak about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's part of the languaging. Like they might be semi-aware, but then it's like, okay, how do you bring this up to your partner in a way that doesn't trigger defensiveness and reaction, right? How do you yes. communicate responsibly? That's part of what I was teaching my group last night is like, there's formulas for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the formula in nonviolent communication that, that I was sharing last night is powerful. It's first and foremost, is observe what's happening, right? Just observe what's happening without an evaluation. So my partner said, you know, you know, I don't really like that dress that you're wearing, right? And just mm-hmm. deal with the fact that that's what was said, right? Yes. What we end up often doing is like when, you know, a guy says that, maybe the girl will be like, oh my God, he thinks I'm ugly. It's like, what did he say? He said, I don't like the dress that you're wearing, right? But the brain will go into all these new interpretations and, and, and then you're so rude. How could you say that to me? It's like, well, you asked me. It's like, you know, it's like, and we start to create a conflict out of nothing, but it's like, okay, when you said you don't like the dress I'm wearing, I felt is the next thing to do is identify mm-hmm. what felt. I felt insecure and a bit unworthy. And I realized that my need for love and acceptance uh, was not being met. And, and it's not even that the guy wasn't not meeting the need. It's just mm-hmm. her reaction was interpreting that this need wasn't being met. And if she were to be truly responsible, she could get that. Wow. I just, I really, there's some part of me that doesn't love honor and value myself. Mm. And I got a little story about my unworthiness and I don't look good. And, and I'm taking it out on you, honey, right now, Um, because I have this need. We all have that need to Mm -hmm. feel accepted and loved and valued and right. Um, But we can believe that we're not because our unconscious mind is, feeding us information from the past where we believed that we really weren't. And so we blame our partner for something that's really our own responsibility a lot of the time. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't mean that the other person isn't devaluing you in some way. They might actually be really upset and they might really be judging the shit out of you. You know what I mean? And that can be hurtful. Um, There's ways to handle it responsibly by first addressing your own feelings and the unmet needs and then making your request. Honey, when you tell me that the dress doesn't look good, would you mind also letting me know that you love me at the same time? Like, you know, when you're about to say that, because I, 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 it would help me to remember <laughs> yeah. that you're there. You know, something simple like that. Not that that's full responsibility still, but it's, it's better than attack. Yeah, no, I think this is great. I mean, I'm definitely going to look. I've heard, that's the second time I've heard about that nonviolent communication book, mm-hmm. right? Is that a book? Yeah, it's a book and that there's some teachings on the video. The book's great though. The book covers exactly what you need to know. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to look that up for people because I think that that's really key, but especially sexually, I've noticed like um, there's a lot of things that women let fly that really they don't like, but then they're still tolerating it, right? Yeah, because they lack the technology for articulating what they're feeling. Um, there's a huge list of feelings. Um, there's the feelings when our needs are met and then there's the feelings when our needs are not met. Of course, the feelings when our needs are not met are the bad feelings we call, right? But like, we don't even know those words. Like we just lack a language around our true feelings or emotions. And then there's the needs and a lot of us don't even know what those, those needs are. So when you look at the list, it starts to bring awareness. It's like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. When you act, you know, acted this way when we were sexual the other night, I felt a little bit of shame. And I realized that my need for connection and intimacy was not being met. 
And what I would like for you to do next time is could you, you know, could we start with a conversation and would you mind showing me a little affection through some, maybe some touch and some hug and, you know, just maybe laying together or something like, it's just a very simple request. Now that doesn't guarantee that your partner is going to say, absolutely, honey, they might resist that. And that's just what we got to be with. Right. I mean, there's really at the end of the day, we can't force people to do anything. We can only make our requests from an authentic, vulnerable and real place. And, but, but there's going to be a lot less conflict if we learn to do this from the beginning. Mm. This is how we're speaking to a partner as we're starting a relationship and we set the standard this way. We're going to run into a lot less trouble. We, we might not even build a deeper relationship if we just, right, we all go in with these, we fool ourselves and then we get mad that the relationship falls apart. Well, yeah. And I also think it's like a lot, it's like you're tolerating all the BS at the beginning when really what you're saying is, is if you could have just set the standard here, none of this would have been, you wouldn't have put up with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, almost any relationship I've ever communicated with and coached and supported, it's like, you just, you, you did this to yourself. Like, I mean, like you want to blame your partner. It's like, but you're, you're just as full of shit as they are. You know, you deceived yourself, you lied to yourself and you're not being responsible. A lot of times that's what's there. And it's like, and all these arguments and blaming and bad mouthing, it's like, you know what? You just, you just, you're not owning it and you're going to do it again. But, but I wanted to ask you, sorry to interrupt. Don't you think a lot of women, it's like they're, they're afraid of uh, hurting the male ego by saying, Hey, I don't like this sexually. I've heard that happen a lot. Well, that's. You know, if you're afraid to be real, then don't be surprised when you get what's fake. Ooh. I don't, I just, I mean, it's like so logical to me. It's like, oh, you're afraid to, to, to tell your truth, but then you get upset when you don't get what's real. It's like, well, then whose fault is that? Right. Mm, you yeah. like, you're leading someone on because you don't want to hurt their ego. Yeah. It just, it's just, it's like, it's the responsibility is always a hundred percent in our lap. Mm, preach. I just got off a call with someone earlier today about that. It's taking radical responsibility, right? Totally. Yes. hundred percent. I think I mentioned this when I met you is like, I, you know, I dated someone in 2017 and I didn't have an orgasm the whole time we dated, but that was also me not taking responsibility for the fact that, Hey, you know what? Well, instead of blaming him for not blazing me sexually, why don't I figure out why am I not, why am I so unfulfilled? Yeah. And as if an orgasm is like the ultimate goal anyway. I mean, that's I not even, it's no, it's like, not. you know, it's like this much of, you know, what's available right. in a relationship and that becomes such a big deal because we're so mm-hmm. bodily oriented sometimes. But it's like, right. you know, if you want a great orgasm, you need to have great connection, right? Yes. You, yes. you know, some women could just pull it off because they're just, they're, the physical is all they give a crap about. They're not interested in certain other things and they've gotten a certain, you know, conditioning down where they can make their body turn on and, and feel good mm-hmm. and, and they can just do that, but they still don't know how to create intimacy and connection and love. I've seen that. Right. But an orgasm that's connected to the emotions and to the mind and to the spirit, man, you can't, you can't, you can't trump that. Mm, yes. And I agree with you on that because I think that that's um, our society puts so much pressure on performance and did you have an orgasm did you not but when you really think about it it's like what you were saying the connection and the spiritual all of that is really what people want i would say my question would be like did you meet god 
Yeah. If you didn't meet God, you're not doing it right. Right. I mean, it's like, that's to me. And I know, and I'm not, I don't mean that in a religious sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, in like, did you meet the essence of your being and the fullness of power and aliveness inside yourself and inside of another during the act of sex? No, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So how to give, cause that's, I love that. But for, I bet people are like, man, how do you even, how do you even, how do I even go about that? Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I lead a group called the core encounter and I call it the core encounter because it's about accessing our innermost parts, which contain all of our fears and self limitations. And what's good and great is that beneath all of that is this beautiful, often terribly untapped raw potential which we could just call life force itself. And if you want to call it God, you can call it God. It's just the, it's the, the source of being and existence itself. It's in us all. There's nowhere we can go to get away from it. But what we can do is deceive ourselves out from an experience and connection with it internally that's alive and real for us. And so when we're getting into relationship, I, I just feel that it, it's – Man, it's like trying to correct a. It's like a train is like moving at a hundred miles an hour, and I'm like a guy who's walking up and like, man, I need to stop this train. The mm-hmm. train is so big, and it's the momentum is so big. Humanity is just doing what it's doing. Like, you know, it's hard to course correct right now. But if I could have it my way, I would stop the train and say, stop getting in a relationship. Everybody, stop. Just stop. Start learning how to be in a relationship authentically and powerfully learn the language of doing this and learn the practices or the ways of being that bring energy and aliveness into the relationship. Then consider starting an intimate relationship. So completely take sex off the table, right? Oh yeah, definitely don't jump into that yet. Okay. I agree with you. And then also work on that with yourself, right? And with yourself and with others because you, mm-hmm. you can't there's this you can't, this whole working on yourself thing doesn't happen really it's like i can only develop myself inside of relationships fully like i can only do so much alone but but that you know we we don't live for ourselves alone we live for others and we live with and in conjunction with others if we want to really grow and develop right so it's about developing ourselves in relationship interpersonally so if your interpersonal skills and ability are poor and weak your intimate relationships probably going to be very poor and weak, right? And, and I know most of us think we get along. We go to work, we talk to people. I don't even mm-hmm. have lots of friends, but that doesn't mean you're interpersonally skilled, mm. right? Interpersonal skills have to do with how capable are you to reveal yourself to another human being? Can you be vulnerable? Can you be authentic? Can you share your emotions? Can you listen empathically? Can you train and teach others how to be empathically listening to you? Do you have interpersonal skills or don't you? Or do you just have typical social skills that almost anybody's got, you know, even at a, an exaggerated manner of that, you might have, like, like I said, a lot of friends and a big social group, but does that mean you're interpersonally capable of being intimate? Mm, wow. You're asking great questions. Yeah. Cause I think that, um, I mean, think about it though. We have the loneliness epidemic. I think that's what we all discussed when I was at dinner with you is the fact that connection is what we are missing in our society. So it's not like people don't crave it. We all crave it. It's a, it's a fundamental need. 
Um, you know, I'll say to other people, if you want to, if you really want to know God, you need to know how to relate to other human beings because the kingdom of God, in my view, is, is the relationships of people who are interacting in such a way that the divine, the essence of life itself shows up. You know, I don't really think it's about going somewhere when you die. I think it's about something that's here and now. And what's sad is that people, they don't know this. Even in religion, they'll, they'll teach heaven is someplace you go where you die. And it's like, well, I beg to differ because I've experienced heaven on earth through, and the most powerful experiences of heaven on earth, through the way I relate with other people who are willing and participatory in this, I mean, I could just call it kingdom relating. Right? When we stand with one another and communicate and listen to one another a certain way, the greatest amount of peace and bliss and joy and like just everything that life is shows up in that space in such a rich way. Mm. No, I love everything you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's, what, it's what I definitely am working towards constantly creating. So for the single people, what would you say to them? Uh, definitely study interpersonal relationships. Come do my group. <laughs> We'd be part of Is a four encounter men and group. Women too? Men, men or women. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on men though, specifically as an extra, not as an only thing that I'll do, but uh, I've got a men's group that I'm uh, leading and organizing and expanding right now. And I will focus on a special form of that just for men. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to have some women facilitators that would facilitate for women only as well. But there's something special inside of the co-ed version of it um, because those groups are designed to have us confront um, the various pains, hurts, and traumas and challenges that have really been lurking in the background. Um, and it brings all of it to the surface. Right? It's okay. like you know, seven people, six people plus me in a circle right, or on Zoom, but we're all facing one another. And what's, the, what's present is a lot of our attention is all upon each other. And we move around in a certain way that that attention really opens up like a portal to the subconscious mind. And so through the female male presence, um, different triggers show up, different uh, the ways of being of people in the group, the things that they say, like the feelings they're feeling, it starts to just create like this chain reaction of stirring up what's, what's uh, I think it was, uh, was it Fritz Pro called it unfinished business? That unfinished business, that stuff that mm. we just like, some regret, some resistance to something that happened in the past, some rejection of someone and ourselves. And, you know, those things are just locked in our subconscious and our lives are driven and governed by either those reactions, you know, from that space or our reactions to compensate and not have to feel or think or connect with that painful thing that happened. And so we're out of control, right? So the core encounter helps to just dissolve all of this inauthentic, uh, compensation and, and, and bullshit that we have believed and accepted about ourselves, others in the world so that we can now live freely. We can actually look people in the face and be totally open, transparent, and present. Mm. Wow. I love everything about that. Yeah. Cause I think the I'm not enough belief is common, right? Oh yeah. And, and it's, you know, and even if you identify it that way, that doesn't make a change because We have to get, what I help people do is get in touch with the exact neurological and biochemical conditions that were established in that moment. Most people talk, even when you go to therapy, you talk about your problem, you're not connecting with the actual immediate 
neurological wires that were developed, right? And the brain mm-hmm. patterns and conditions. So I help people access those specific things that took place and were connected and created in those moments and bring about a new experience using the tools that I use, right? To help that person. And I don't do it for anybody. I just support them in doing this for themselves. I help them rewire their brain. Wait, so how do people, and this is kind of similar to Joe Dispenza, really, right? Um, definitely Joe Dispenza is on the same track, yeah. except Joe Dispenza is way more scientific about it. I, I was doing the work that made the difference without having all the science behind it many years ago. Mm, now, okay. Joe Dispenza is one of the people who's contributed greatly to my understanding of the science behind what I'm doing to help a human being transform their brain. Mm. <coughs> okay. Because what you're saying is, <coughs> I'm sorry, um, is the fact that, so people get this wiring that's like stuck in their brain and they keep reacting, reacting, reacting. And then they're wondering why they're never in a happy relationship. Exactly. And they think it's the relationship that they're in that's creating the problem when in 90% of the cases, it's your own reactions to life based on painful incidents and loss that you've never fully completed or integrated. So when I talk about trauma integration, trauma is not something we want to like necessarily clear or get rid of. It's always going to be a part of our life. Something painful. I watched my mother get abused. Mm-hmm. That never leaves my memory. But how I relate to the memories, that can change. What I learn from them and how I use them can be very different. In the past, my reaction was to be violent and aggressive. It was the way I, conf- I avoided feeling the shame that I felt within my soul. I felt so ashamed and that shame made me feel crippled and so weak that I compensated by acting like I was a tough guy and to become a dominant, violent person. Mm -hmm. And I got badass and I got tough and I would fight more than one or two or three people without a hesitation, without flinching, without even a shaking of my knee. It was just like, I'm in, right? Like I had conditioned myself to just be aggressive, but it was all driven by this deep-seated fear and sense of inadequacy that I couldn't help my mother. And, and that type, and a lot of us make these compensations and they just, our lives are controlled by these reactions that sometimes work for us and they help us survive always because that's why we use them. Um, but surviving in the ways we survive are not always beneficial. I might be a real aggressive asshole to my partner, right? And I might be like totally like, and that's just the way I treat everything and everyone. I might do that to my children, mm-hmm. right? Because that was the compensation I made up. And like, and like, and people will tell me and like, I'll just justify myself. I'll make myself right. I'll make them wrong. I'll argue, I'll blame, I'll deny and whatever. And eventually the impact is people leave because they just don't want to tolerate it. Or you just see the deadness of your wife, right? She's emotionally not present, sexually, intimately, she doesn't want to be there, whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. because you just didn't clean up your junk. Wow. Hmm. So where do you want to leave everybody with? That it's possible to take back control of these unconscious commitments and control patterns. It's possible to take back control over these things. There's a way that we do this. There's a science behind it. It's not just some, you know, whimsical, hopeful talk therapy method. There are specific ways we can contact exactly what it is that's troubling you and at the cause of your reactions 
your compensations, your relationship breakdowns. Uh, we can get at that stuff right at the core, right? The other thing is that the linguistic skills that, that most of us are missing can be trained. We can learn them. And they're not difficult. They actually are so simple. Um, they make so much sense because they're natural and they facilitate core connection with ourselves and another human being. And when we speak from our heart to another's heart and we listen to another's heart, instead of getting caught up in the words and the behaviors and the judgments and assessments and evaluations, we actually have a freedom to really come alive in relationship, make a difference for others and ourselves. Wow. Yes. And that's what would make the world a better place, right? Is happier, healthier relationships. Happier, healthier relationships and people who are truly uh, self-developed in a way that they can be in touch with their own pain and hurt, manage themselves in a constructive way, share that with other human beings, help others do the same. Mm -hmm. That's going to change the world. Mm, yeah, definitely. Okay, so where can everybody find you? Um, my website, vincebelito.com, V-I-N-C-E-B-E-L-L-I-T-T-O.com. Uh, there's information about the core encounter. I've got my free audio book and the PDF version of the book is available for the core encounter. I've got a coaching the cash flow program, audio book and PDF available. And my transmuting trauma audio book and PDF is also available all for free. So they can get access to that there and learn more or book a call with me if you'd like to learn how you can get into a group to see if you qualify mm -hmm. and if the group will make a difference for you. I don't persuade or push anybody into doing anything. I just ask questions. I look into your situation. I help you discover what's really going on. I help you create a mini breakthrough in the spot, the, the, which is usually a big aha. That's like, holy crap. Like you really mm -hmm. understand my problem better than I do. And then, okay, I'll tell you like, look, here's what we do inside of my work. Is this a fit for you? Is this going to work for you? And it's very affordable. I mean, the core encounter is almost any average person can afford that with very little money. Wow. Comparatively. That's I mean, if you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, it's more expensive. But in the group yeah. format, I can bring the cost down to like, you know, 20 bucks an hour. Yes. I love everything you're doing. That's amazing. Wow. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know that everybody got some major takeaways from this i definitely did and um yes i will put all of your links below and everybody be sure to comment below or email either of us let us know what you thought about this episode i know it's going to be really impactful for people all right yeah thank love you. to hear from anybody thank you Haley, for the opportunity i appreciate what you're doing and thanks for your transformation turnaround story it's beautiful i am glad i got to connect with you that way definitely thanks